don't have to think to be happy. You don't have to have thoughts to be happy. And it's actually when you don't have thinking going on in the mind is when we're happiest. It's so paradoxical how the mind works. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. It was just me this week. Mr. Cermak could not make it, but you guys are really in for a treat this week. If your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The Park Train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Park Train podcast unpacks the mental game with PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors like today with Joseph Wynn. CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Par Train, like every episode of The Par Train, is presented by Rollback Activewear, the stretchiest, softest, most stylish, best-fitting activewear that I wear on and off the golf course, bar none. You go to rollback.com, you enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off. If the code doesn't work, enter a new email. Tap that link in our bio at The Par Train. If you forget the code, if you tap that link, it'll go. It's also linked in the show notes here for this episode. It'll auto-apply in your cart. You don't need to enter a code, and it'll make it a little bit easier if you forget it. This week's episode was very special. I talked at the beginning how this connection happened. I won't spoil it now. It was really serendipitous. It was actually through my wife. This is why this show is so cool, because we read a book. I reach out to the author a week later. He's on the show helping you guys. And it's just so cool. It's one of my favorite books I've read in a while. His name's Joseph Wynn. He wrote, Don't Believe Everything You Think. Just also wrote a new book called Beyond Thoughts. He has questions, our answers podcast. And you know, the whole reason this podcast started is because I love how my mind can make or break my experience. So I could have a debilitating, anxiety-filled depressive experience, or I could have a calm, joyful, fulfilling experience just based on the way I look at something. And a lot of people are so rooted in their thought patterns and the pain of the past and the fear of the future that it's even hard to know where to begin. Well, this episode is perfect because Joseph simplifies how we're getting in our own way so beautifully that it's actually quite freeing. He's not telling you to do things. It's it's more so permission to do nothing. Joseph isn't a golfer. He's not in the golf space. But I had enough aha moments when I was reading this book and I kept starring things that would be good for you guys that I said, we got to get Joseph on. We're going to relate it to you, the golfer, throughout this hour. So you're in for an absolute treat. Thank you as always for hopping aboard. If this conversation adds value, and makes you a little bit happier, do us a solid, share that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify reviews so other people want to hop aboard because of your success. Follow us at The Part Train. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are the three best places. I post there multiple times every day to keep you on track, keep you off the struggle bus. So if you like the show and you don't follow us there, give us a follow. And no matter how many thoughts you're thinking, no matter how bad you feel, sometimes you just have to accept it and embrace enjoying the ride because enjoying the ride is going to get you all the things that you're trying and efforting to get anyways. So thank you guys as always. Take care. Joseph Wynn, it is my pleasure. Probably your first golf podcast. I don't know. You tell me, but I want to welcome you aboard. 
the part train. Thank you so much, Evan. I appreciate it. I'm very, very excited to be here. So am I. And this is, let me give the listeners some context. This is a very special day for me because my wife bought your book. Here it is. Don't believe everything you think. And I think she literally went on Amazon and was like, I want to just have a mindfulness blitz, (laughs) if that's a thing. So she was looking for two to three books to just dive into. And she came across yours. She bought it instantly. She read in like three days. She was talking about how much she loved it. She looked at me. She said, you will absolutely love it. But she didn't force it on me. I was drawn to it. It was on the nightstand. I was drawn to it. I read in like a week. I love the simplicity of it. Naturally, by the way that my mind works, I was seeing golf references throughout. And I was like, oh, our listeners would love this. Our listeners would need this. And I reached out probably like a week later. Here we are trying to get you on the train before I leave for my honeymoon in a couple of weeks. And here you are. So amazing how a simple purchase on Amazon is now leading to a great conversation and hopefully a big transformation moment for our listeners. So I'm excited to dig in. Yeah. What a miraculous turn of events. Very fitting that you guys are going on the honeymoon <laughs> to celebrate. It's, <laughs> it's a celebration all around. So yeah, I'm glad she that kind of piqued her interest. It's very, very random how this stuff works, but yeah. I'm always pleasantly surprised. So yeah, I'd love to hear about all the golf references. The, the most interesting thing to me is how people make it relatable to their own life versus just consuming information almost unconsciously and just getting as much as they possibly can, but there's no connections being made. And it's in those connections that actually transform who we are, what we do, who we become. So yeah. it's, it's beautiful to hear you say that. Speaking of transforming, there's a million ways we could start today because today I think we're going to relate a lot of what you talk about in your book and how you live to golf, but also I want to go into work a little bit. I want to go into life a little bit to help people out and help them suffer less and be happier more. But first, something that really struck me, the place that I started in your work is an amazing insight you talked about in regards to not the suffering moment, but the blissful moment. And I think, and keep me honest on this, Joseph, but you said something like, think about a time, and I love how you pose questions in the book. Think about a time when you had an amazing experience, right? Like, it's like the Peter Pan, what's your happy thought? What is your happiest moment? Think to that moment. You know, you could use my wedding as an example, a couple months ago. And then ask yourself, what was I thinking during that time? And you pause and you think, what was I thinking? And most people's answers say, well, I really wasn't thinking anything at all. I was just kind of like in awe. I was feeling love. I was feeling bliss. I was grateful. All these things, right? Now, flip that on its head. What's your worst memory? What's one of your most painful moments? And then what were you thinking? Well, I had a tornado of thoughts of self-loathing and fear and judgment. So I want to start there. What we're really trying to do is help people realize that they're not their thoughts. It's a separate thing. But it is interesting that when you think about it, no, not many people talk about the positive side. I want you to talk about where that insight came from. And let's expand on that a little bit, because I think it's really powerful when you realize that the most amazing moments of your life really are an absence of thought. That is the craziest thing to me. It always brings me 
so much joy to kind of relive that experience of when I kind of had that epiphany. It was when I was hanging out with one of my friends from high school and we met up. We don't meet too often. It's maybe once a year or, or something like that. We went to this coffee shop and I was just studying some of these things and realizing some of these things in my life where I, I could be happier. I could find peace now. And I was just asking him because he was going through a pretty tough time. And I just kind of asked the question of like, I knew what he was going through and I know he was suffering a lot. We all know what it's like, but then I kind of flipped it. Like you were saying and, and asked, what is your happiest moment? Like when you were completely blissed out, like what exactly is going through your mind? I didn't really know the answer either. And that's the craziest thing. I didn't plan this. And most of the insights that we get in life, they're never really planned. Because if we can plan it, then we would have already done it, or that would have already changed our life. And we're only ever one thought away from having a completely different experience of life. So once I asked that question to him, he just said, well, I don't know. I, I mean, he's like, I was in an amusement park, just hanging out with my friends and being around my family. And that's the happiest memory I have. And I said, what were you thinking though? That's what you were doing. What were you thinking? Yeah. What was going through your mind? He said, I don't know. Just, I was happy. <laughs> yeah. But what were you thinking? He said, oh my God. And so, <laughs> oh, so we had this giant epiphany in the middle of like this random coffee shop with tons of people. And we were just, oh my. So it was awesome. We we're just screaming basically. Um, just didn't even mind what was our surroundings. But that epiphany completely changed my life because my entire life, especially when you get into personal development, you're always told that you have to control your thoughts. You always have to try to change them. You always have to replace them with something better or, or do affirmations. And I tried. I really, really tried. But it was so much effort, an unbelievable amount of effort to try to control every single thought that comes in and to try to flip into something positive, right? Controlling is hard enough, let alone trying to flip that thing. That's like lifting weights for your head. Imagine if you lifted weights for 10 hours, 12 hours a day. 14 hours a day when you're awake. That's the same thing with your mind when you're trying to think positively all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people wonder why it, it's so difficult. But that epiphany led, led me to understand that you, you don't have to think to be happy. You don't have to have thoughts to be happy. And it's actually when you don't have thinking going on in the mind is when we're happiest, contrary to what we believe. So it's so paradoxical how the mind works. Very, very interesting. And a lot of life is like that, where the opposite is how we get what we want. And I think that's called like the backwards law, mm. where if you want to attract a person, right, you don't try very, very hard to get them mm -hmm. but, and become desperate and just like grovel at their feet. It's it's the opposite. It's it's knowing that you have options, that they're not the only person in the world or whatever it is, and, and keeping your distance a little bit and and not just throwing yourself at them. And once you do that and actually treat them like a person versus some God or goddess, then they start to become attracted to you. It's very interesting. And another example, a very simple one is, you know, when we're trying to be productive, the way to be more productive or the way to focus more isn't to try to focus more. Usually when we're like trying to do really hard work and we're like, okay, I need to focus more. And there's so many things. Imagine trying to do really hard, deep work in New York Times Square in the middle of Christmas. Like your problem, if you're not able to focus there, isn't your focus. It's there's too many people. There's people trying to solicit you. There's like all this noise and parades. So 
the trick or the interesting thing or the same epiphany on how to focus isn't to try to focus harder, but to eliminate distractions. It's the opposite. Once you eliminate distractions, there's only focus. Mm. But those are like three different connections <laughs> yeah. uh, and three different scenarios that connect back to the same root, which is like the absence of something really can be what you're looking for. So the absence of thought is peace, love, and joy. And that's why it's our natural state as well. Well, it's so interesting because I met my wife when I was really happy being alone and feeling like I was okay being alone. I was just trying to better myself and she was in the same exact state and we naturally were attracted. Now, relating it to golf, I've asked hundreds of people on this show, including top pros in the world, top sports psychologists, similar to the special day of bliss. We have those on the course as well, where the game seems easy, right? There's really no other game in the world where you can be the best in the world and finish last place the next week, right? LeBron James, he might have an off night, but he's not going to like forget how to score for a month, right? Golfers, that does happen very often, actually, more often than you'd expect after the, their biggest wins of their career, because that's where the expectations come. Now they're trying to get even better. They lose sight of what got them there. But going back to the bliss for a second, people's greatest rounds, their lowest rounds are described exactly how you described your friend's best day at the amusement park, which is not really thinking anything, not expecting anything. But the funny thing is, is after your best round, the next round, one of your worst a lot of times or feels totally different because now the expectations of my best are getting the way of my authentic swing and just letting it happen. Now we're trying to force it a bit. So I want to read a quote that I thought is relating to this that you can expand on. Cause I actually think this, I starred this, this is how I prepped for our, our interview today, Joseph. I just looked back at my stars and my boxes <laughs> in your book, but the quote was, we only suffer when we try to figure it all out. Our part is to hold in our minds what we want and get into a state of non-thinking. Before I kick it to you, the number one sports psychologist in the world, Bob Rotella, told us, if you do nothing else, just focusing on your target, where you want the ball to go, is the number one thing that you can do. Whereas the majority of people are focused on where they don't want it to go, thus creating interference and tension and all that stuff. So talk to me about why we suffer when we try to figure out, because this is what golf is. Golfers are trying to figure it out every second of every swing of every round of every range session. That's what we're trying to do. It's a game that can't be figured out, but we're trying to. So talk about this. Yeah. I, I love relating this to sports because it takes things to more of an extreme, which makes it easier to understand. So instead of like everyday life, like mundane things. Um, so for example, in, in golf or any sport for that matter, especially baseball too, these sports are, they should be impossible. Trying to hit this tiny couple inch ball, just hundreds and hundreds of yards away, trying to calculate the wind, trying to calculate, like making sure the sun's not in your eyes, making sure you're not hitting people, trees, just these, all of these pits, there's, it's just almost impossible to actually make that happen but we do and that's kind of the miracle of humans making the impossible possible every single time with the quote that we're talking about 
I think there's so many people that say that too. I think Simon Sinek has many stories that talk about how to focus on where you want to go versus where you don't want to go. There's a million different things that can go wrong, especially in sports. And focusing on any of them will only multiply them. And what you focus on grows. Where attention goes, energy flows. And where energy flows, things grow. So that whole, I, I would say, positive feedback loop is, is very, very relatable and prevalent and applicable into sports. So what I realized was to try to think about all of the factors is kind of futile, especially when you're on the field and playing. We're not really supposed to figure this stuff out. Like, are you really running calculations in your head about wind speed, about trajectory, about even what direction the wind is going or the sun and the field, like all, all these things. There's too many different factors. There's no way that we're able to really process all of that consciously, but we just look where we want to go and we kind of move our body and we swing. We kind of trust that it happens. There's no way that you're moving every single fiber in your body and, and manually making manually breathing through your lungs. Like there's so many different things that are, that are happening that it really doesn't happen like that. And it just happens. So the more that you can trust and lean into that, the more peaceful you'll feel and the better your game will be. When you're talking about high performance, it's less about trying and efforting and more about getting out of the way. You've done your training. You've already gone through the ringer. You've already been practicing for years and years and years. And you think right now, after a half a decade or a decade of playing, that you trying to figure it all out is going to help you, you know, in this very moment, when you're on the field, your job isn't to try to get better. Your job is to get out of the way. Mm. And as a consequence, you get better just naturally um, yeah. because you, you allow your, your, your subconscious, your intuition, your body just knows this stuff. And so you just got to get out of the way. And that's when you have the best game of your life. So Joseph, I'm going to speak for the golfer a lot during this episode because I can hear them in my own head, but also I can hear our listener. There's a lot of yeah, buts that I hear, right? And you can tell instantly because fear you talked about in the book is, a, is basically importance. It reveals what's important to us. And the this thought of losing what's important to us is essentially what it is. So in golf, that's our score. That's how we look in front of people. And we even have a number associated with us where we have a handicap. So we identify with that handicap and then there's expectations about how and the scores that that handicap performs in, right? So if I'm thinking of a listener hearing you say, we have to get out of our own way, you've done the training, you've done this, you just have to not think, not try and figure it out. You just have to do. I know that the golfer wants to explain to you, yeah, but I'm a 15, 20 handicap and my swing's really inconsistent. Yeah, but I know that my swing could get so much better. So I have to think about my swing. Otherwise, I'm going to make the same mistakes. Oh, yeah, but Joseph, I just hit one out of bounds left on the last hole. And now there's another hazard left on this hole. So I have to be thinking about that because I can't hit it out of bounds again. My, I'm going to shoot the worst score I've ever shot. Right. So there's a lot of, this desire to want to stand up for the thoughts, want to explain yourself and want to fight for them. Right. But then ironically, you ask that same person, well, what happened when you were playing well? Well, I like, I guess I wasn't really thinking about anything. Right. But then it's easy for the golfer to think, yeah, but at that time I had this swing thought that was really working and I was hitting the ball better back then. Right now I've been struggling and I need these 
things. I need these thoughts to improve my performance. So let's talk about that because that's true in life too. You want to fight for them. The desire to let go of it, it almost feels like it's too easy. Help the golfer navigate this because I can hear them wanting to fight for their swing thoughts and fight for the thinking. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a saying, you keep what you fight for. And so that's perfectly fine too. Like I'm not saying this way is the right way and your way is the wrong way or your way, way is the, the right way and mine is the wrong. That's irrelevant at this point. It's it's what you want at the end of the day. So do you want to stay in that state that you're in? Do you want to keep performing the way that you have been performing? Because if you do, that's great. Like keep doing what you're doing because if you keep thinking the same way, you're going to get the same results. So that's, if you're very happy with that, don't change anything. But if you're looking for something else, how can we possibly do anything different if we're not thinking anything different? So that's the first layer to start to unravel. It'll be like layer by layer, we'll kind of take pick apart some of these beliefs and thinking. So once you go past that layer, what's interesting is what is success to you, especially in this sport, for anyone that's playing? The way that we define success determines how we feel every time we play or mm. practice or do anything for that matter. So really ask yourself, what is success in, in golf? Like what I'm doing. And most people have to kind of sit and think about this. Like, I don't know, like when I win like this tournament or when I get the score or when I, so whatever you think of, basically, I think Naval Ravikant said this too. He was saying like, when you set a goal like that, or you define success in that way, it's essentially a contract to make you miserable until you hit that specific outcome. That's exactly what it is. We think that we need to set those things in order to achieve them. That's the fallacy that we believe. Mm. But it's true that you won't hit that if you don't set that. Is that true that if you just keep practicing and you fall in love with the game and you just want to get better and better for no other reason than just really enjoying the sport for itself, that you won't hit those goals as a byproduct. There's a different way to approach it. The greatest masters, the greatest athletes, they fall in love with the game, not the score. They didn't get into it because they of the score. Like no one gets into any sport and says, I want to hit this number. That's why I'm playing. That doesn't make any sense. It's just right. a number. It's arbitrary. They do it because they love it. So usually when we fight for these types of thoughts, it's because we forget the true reason of why we started it in the first place. We lose sight of why. And if you lose sight of love of the craft, then that's when this negative thinking pattern starts to come in. And we start to say, yeah, but I need to keep thinking, but I need to keep stressing, but I need to keep beating myself up over this. I need to feel guilty after I like miss this shot or whatever it is. And that's what will happen. And we believe that until otherwise, until we suffer enough, essentially. But it doesn't have to be that way. You're going to laugh, but I created what success was being able to think my way out of suffering at any time. And what that ended up doing is putting more pressure on that practice that I'm not allowed frustration because of what I do. And that got in the way for me. And so I've talked about it lately a lot, so I won't talk about it more, but essentially this past year has been a struggle for me on the golf course. And I'm rediscovering that peace and that calm again, despite my results in front of me being unfavorable because of all the pressure and the interference I've put on myself. So really, 
it's not just a score. It's whatever we identify with. It's whatever we put as success, which is such a great reminder. I want to get into, you said thoughts create thinking destroys. I think we've set a good foundation for the theological and the power of this stuff. I'd love to get into more tactical practices and helping the golfers arm them with tools, right? I think it should start with understanding thoughts versus thinking because golf, as you know, is the only sport where we are thinking 95, maybe 98% of our time and actually swinging and performing about one to 2% of our time. So a lot of people don't think there's a difference between thought and thinking. And Joseph, how the hell can I stop thinking? They just come in. How can I prevent that? Right? So let's start with thoughts versus thinking and why thoughts create and thinking destroys. So this is the whole premise of the book, which is built upon the idea that thoughts and thinking are very separate entities. Our thinking is what causes us suffering. So one thing is many people assume when I say stop thinking, they say, how can I even do that? That doesn't make any sense. Like thoughts would just come in. And that's correct. Thoughts are inevitable, but thinking about your thoughts is unnecessary. Hmm. So thought, for example, are just bits of information. It's just observations. So for example, you're wearing a gray sweater. That's an observation. We're on this podcast like that. That is a thought that will just come in. Thinking on the other hand is, for example, let's say you, you miss a swing. That's a thought. I miss the swing. Thinking is I shouldn't have missed that. I'm better than this. Or I can't believe I did that. That's the third time now, this game. Or this is going to affect my score so much, I'm going to lose this game. Or I can't believe my competitor saw that. Like, this is so embarrassing. That is thinking about the thought. The thought is you missed the swing. Mm. That's it. End of story. So thinking can be compared to as the story you put on to the thought, Mm -hmm. your own conditioning, your own beliefs, and your own judgments. Thinking is unnecessary, and that's what causes us our suffering. How it relates in golf is just you can be much more observant by being aware of your thoughts versus getting caught up in them through thinking about them. Of course, there's going to be thoughts that come in, and you'll need those as it's informing you about the game and what kind of shots you'll probably need to do next. But constantly stressing and worrying about it or creating stories about them, completely unnecessary. And that really is what causes us all that stress and suffering. So that's a big difference. And we cannot control our thoughts. They just come in, but we can control whether we think about them. And that's the important part. Thoughts come and go, which is a really good thing because when they pop in, they can also pop out. But thinking is essentially what freezes that thought in our minds. In the same way that, for example, when you eat food, if the food doesn't leave your body, that causes indigestion. The same is true for our minds. Thoughts that enter our minds and don't leave causes anxiety. Hmm. So we are essentially just a vehicle for all of these things, including our own thoughts. Allowing ourselves to be that channel, that vessel, and keeping clear and keeping things moving is how we can maintain a state of peace and calm and even joy for, for that matter. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a new sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. 
So we worked with these guys over a year ago. I'm bringing them back for you guys because they're my favorite way to stay hydrated. Now, a lot of people here, yeah, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. I think the key is why do you want to be hydrated? There's a ton of health benefits, but a lot of you might drink alcohol and when you wake up and you hadn't been hydrating, you're going to feel hungover. And when you feel hungover on the golf course or not, I'm 35 years old now, okay? The last thing I want to feel is feeling hungover. So I actually reached out to these guys for you. They didn't reach out to us at first, okay? I scoured the internet trying to find a clean hydration multiplier and I just couldn't find it. I looked at like 10 options and all the ingredients were bad. You couldn't pronounce pretty much anything on the label and it was super sugary and just didn't taste good. So I finally found Cure Hydration Packets, okay? My favorite flavor is lemon. It's not sugary, there's no sugar um, and it's super subtle but it still tastes good. So. I found Cure Hydration. I drink one in the morning, every morning. And on my bachelor party, and again, I don't drink that often, but on my bachelor party, I had one in the morning and one before bed. And I woke up feeling great every morning. So go to curehydration.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 20% off, get yourself some easy hydration. It's a simple pack, put it in your water bottle, go on the go, and uh, you're going to get so much better ingredients and taste than all the other options that have terrible ingredients and are too sugary. So curehydration.com, enter the code train, 20% off, stay hydrated. And now let's get back to the show. So Joseph, I'm going to say one of my favorite analogies that you wrote about that I know has been a popular analogy, but I bet you a lot of golfers haven't heard it. And I think it's actually something our audience can think about when the thinking starts to spiral, because it will. That's the beauty of this game. I can just have my least favorite shot, the one shot I hoped I wouldn't hit, and then I have to hit again with that residue. It's an opportunity for a lot of us over 80 times per round, a lot of times over 90 and 100 to start anew despite what's happened. So that's the beauty of this game. But here's an analogy I think they can use. The dirty water. You're going to smile. Because I know you probably talked about this a lot, but I think it's helpful. So think of yourself on that tea box. I'm speaking to the listener now as a glass of water. And you're thinking you add dirt to the water and you ask in the book, how would you make that water clear again? Right. And some people say boil it. Some people say filter it. And the thinking is swishing it around. Right. So if you swish that cup around with the dirt inside, it's going to get dirtier and dirtier. But what's the way to make the water clear again? What's the way to make your mind clear again? It's to let the dirt settle. And that water will become clear on its own as the dirt settles to the bottom. Not by you shaking it, not by you filtering it, not by you boiling it. It's an observing that it's there and it's an allowing. Dr. Joe Perrin, I mentioned him earlier, author of Zen Golf. He said something similar, but in a different way. He said, the waves above me are always loud and crashing. But if you dive under the wave, it's quiet. The waves are still going above you, but you're the ocean, not the waves. Expand on this because I think this analogy could literally be a device for our listeners when they start to spiral and they want to spiral more and mix that dirt together, but just let it sit. Like I said in the beginning, a lot of this stuff is quite paradoxical. Mm-hmm. What we think is helping is actually hurting. So a question I'd love to, to help break out of this cycle is, 
is this thinking useful right now? Whatever you're thinking right now, is this thing helping you or is it hurting you? With that question, I love questions so much because they essentially interrupt the pattern in your mind. An object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an external force. Our consciousness is an external force that can be acted upon whatever you're currently thinking. And that's the beauty of being human and having some sort of consciousness. Questions are one of the greatest external forces that can be applied to your own thinking. Because instead of continuing on with the cycle, it breaks it by creating this gap in your own thinking with a question. It creates space, essentially. So ask yourself that question. And if it's not helping, that's when you can start the process of letting it go. Because if you realize saying, I can't believe I missed this, this is so embarrassing, or I need to make sure this next show is better so I can win the game, whatever you're currently thinking, if that's helping, awesome, keep doing it. More than likely, it's not helpful. (laughs) And so in that case, you can drop it. But without that question, you'll keep spiraling. So it's a great way to intercept it. And so with the analogy of the cloudy, muddy water, it's very interesting. Water by itself, by nature, is clear. Our minds are the same. It is naturally clear if we don't disturb it with thinking. Right. That's why when you're playing your best game, you're not thinking about anything because, and that's your natural state. That's why when you're playing your best, you feel most like yourself. But when you're stressed and constantly thinking and overanalyzing and doing all these things and self-criticizing, you don't feel like yourself. You feel like you're not enough. You feel like an imposter. You feel like you shouldn't be there. You feel like you're not enough. Thinking is what causes all of that. Without thinking, you're just at peace. And so one question I'd love to ask to help you not just understand, but experience it for yourself is what emotion do you feel when you're not thinking? For example, what emotion do you feel, Evan? Usually stillness, present, contentment, calm. That is the secret. It's not thinking about being calm. (laughs) That makes you calm. Right. That will make you more depressed. Right. It's when you're not thinking, you are peaceful, you are calm. You And think about it. When do you play your best? When you're stressed out, anxious, worried, or when you're calm, present, and still? Yeah. And ironically, you're happier that way. You and I have been reading and studying this type of stuff, and I've had an awareness practice for 17, 18 years where I can start to notice things while they're happening. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I get caught up in my emotions just like everybody, but I certainly have a little bit more practice to not let my emotions spiral me out of control. You know, where previously you might've been felt down for a week or even more where for me, it, it might be an hour, you know, or 20 minutes. So talking to the person that hasn't really had an awareness practice, and they just hit the one shot they hate the most. And they think, well, no, that that just happened. I need to fix it. Now I'm thinking about my swing to make sure that doesn't happen again. And now I'm spiraling. Obviously, your podcast is questions or answers, right? So maybe that would be a helpful place to start is beyond the question you just mentioned, what are some other questions? What are some other ways to interrupt that mixing of the muddy water, the tornado of sorts, so that the average person who has no training can lean back into a little bit more stillness, not go from panic to perfectly bliss, right? Right. But a little bit less 
panic because in their minds, this is the furthest thing away from a possible solution. They are trying to fix their swing and the thing that just happened. They're embarrassed. Let's talk about some tactics and some questions that the average person can use. If someone needs a little bit more evidence as to why they should even consider trying this is how often has overthinking and overanalyzing during the game helped you perform significantly better? <laughs> like where it's completely saved the game. And they're like, it's completely due to my overthinking. <laughs> so I don't like talking in theory. I'm like, I always ask questions to reveal your own reality, your yeah. own experience. That's what you build your your own understanding and belief system off of. So that right there should start to unravel and start to really help you see how this may not be helping as much as I think it does. So now that you can kind of see that overthinking really doesn't help you that much, it's not about saying like, I'm never going to correct a shot ever again. Like that, that's not really what we're saying. It's if you need to correct a shot, perfect, correct it. But you don't need to tell a story about it. You don't need to say how you're not enough, you're not good enough, or you should have done better or feel guilty about all these different things or how your competitor is doing way better. Like that's completely unnecessary and irrelevant to you hitting this next shot completely. Like is anything you're thinking actually going to help you hit this next shot? If it's not, let go of it. And the process to actually begin letting go of it. And, and a lot of people that read my book are actually aren't like meditators, practitioners, or any, like they're random people, teachers, counselors, there's kids, like teenagers, it's college students, all sorts of people doing this that don't really have formal training. And I wouldn't call myself a very studious student of Zen or anything like that. And that's why I, I really love this technique so much is because you don't need any of that. So the way to begin is to first, there's four steps to it. And I, I call it BARF. I can't think of a better acronym, <laughs> but it's a little bit fitting because you're actually trying to BARF out the thoughts, like just allow it. If you have toxins in your body, your body's trying to get it out, eject it out through barfing or vomiting. It's kind of true for our minds too. So this is the process and this will probably help you remember it since it is quite, quite visual. So the first one is B, which is breathe. Whenever you feel like you're overthinking or stressed or anxious, whatever it is, breathe, take deep breaths. You don't need that much, just a couple of them. And when you take deep breaths, it grounds and centers you. It brings you back into the present automatically. Staying there is is the hard part, not getting there. So once you breathe, the next thing is A, ask. Ask yourself the question, is this thinking useful? If not, okay, next step. R, remember. Remember that thinking is the root cause of your suffering. And literally repeat that to yourself. After you ask, is this thinking useful? Say to yourself, thinking is the root cause of suffering. This is why I'm feeling stressed. This is why I'm feeling anxious. There's no other reason than you thinking. It's not that you missed the swing. It's not that you're like thinking about the past. It's not that you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about, it's not any of that other than that you're thinking about those things. That's it. Mm-hmm. Remember that thinking is the cause of all suffering. Then F, feel. Allow yourself to feel whatever emotion it is that you're feeling. So if you're feeling guilt, allow yourself to feel that. If you're feeling anxious, Allow yourself to feel that. If you're feeling fearful, allow yourself to feel that. It's simply a feeling. Feelings are meant to be felt. And once they're felt and acknowledged, they pass. Feelings can't hurt you unless you take action on those things and allow it to just keep wreaking havoc on your own internal state. So can I stop you on that real quick? Because I've Mm -hmm. actually thought about this a lot lately. 
because I know that this is a, a common thing to hear is it's the resistance of the fear that's right. most painful. It's the resistance mm-hmm. of my example of the resistance of getting frustrated when I have this belief and success metric that I shouldn't be getting frustrated. Right. But I don't know if a lot of people know how to feel fear because we've been conditioned our whole lives to resist it. Right. How is there a way to explain how to feel fear, how to feel anxiousness? Is it simply the act of talking it out almost like, okay, I feel scared right now that I'm in front of my friends who think I'm a certain level of player and I feel like I don't know where the ball is going to go right now. So, yeah, I'm a little scared to step up to this shot and swing because it could go any which direction. And it's really hard for me to commit to this swing. And I feel scared shitless to swing right now. Right. Yeah. Is that part of the practice? Like, because I really want to help people understand how to do it. Yeah. So it's really not complicated to feel emotions. Yeah. But we've been conditioned to resist. What you resist persists. It's like, for example, if I'm like, putting my two hands together. People on the podcast can't see this, but just mm-hmm. imagine me pressing hands together, almost like in a prayer position, and I'm pushing them in opposition of each other. The only reason why this thing exists is because both of my hands are pushing together. But what happens if one hand removes its resistance to the other? In other words, let's go. Then the hand falls. The only reason why that position of the hands existed was because of the resistance that we had. So if you want to allow the emotion to pass, you must allow it to be there and to let go of it. And feeling emotions, there's not really anything else to do other than not fighting it with your thoughts. So it's just noticing that it's there and allowing yeah. it, being um, okay with it. Resistance is a very interesting word and way to describe what we're doing. But what is resistance? Like break it down. All resistance is, is thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting because people say, You're stop right. resisting your thoughts, stop resisting your feeling. How do I stop resisting the feel? Like, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. It's so conceptual. But resistance comes in the form of thinking. When you're thinking about how stressed you are, you are going to remain stressed. If you're going to keep thinking about how you're so scared of feeling or, or, or taking this shot, you're going to keep feeling scared. Mm-hmm. But if you're not anymore, you're allowing yourself to feel it. That's it. The only reason why feelings keep persisting and staying there is because we keep retelling the story that creates that feeling. And it's about stopping that story, not just stopping that story, but thinking, period, the whole thing. That is the foundation of fear, thinking. But if you rip out that foundation, it no longer exists. And so what you do in that moment is you actually are able to feel whatever you're you're going through. It's very interesting. And the way to do it is to not try to think about whatever you're feeling. You don't need to label it. You don't need to tell yourself or walk yourself through it, although you can do it and it can help, but it's not necessary. For example, can you feel fear without you having to narrate what's happening? Yeah. You, you can someone just pop out the door and just scare you and you feel that fear, but you don't need to narrate in order for you to feel that. Um, the narration only prolongs it. So it's essentially going through that same process of breathing, asking, remembering, and then just allowing yourself to just be there. And so without thinking, you can just viscerally feel whatever emotion you're going through. And 
as you do that without thinking, it passes. It's very interesting. And you can act in the face of fear. And the only reason why we keep feeling fear is because we're saying, what if I miss this shot? What if I lose this game? What if other, what if other people going to think about me? Uh, what are my parents going to say? What are my friends going to say? Well, if you let all that go and stop thinking, all that's left is what? That fear, feeling. And what is that going to do? Right. And once you once there's no more thinking involved, once there's no more story, you realize you're safe. Right. It's almost like a hack of acceptance in a way. Like if I know that this isn't helping me and thinking is causing my suffering, then I'm just going to make a decision and an intention to be okay with whatever happens today, where all the coaches and people that come on our show, it's about focusing on a process, focusing on something productive, and then let's see what happens. And there's kind of this like unfolding and excitement that all the best players have where I know probably a lot's not going to go the way that I planned today, but I'm just going to keep taking it as it comes and I'm going to be okay with it. And so I think a lot of the allowing from those emotions is acceptance. And I think you can generate and dictate your energy in more productive ways. So if I'm currently in crazy thinking spiral mode, the water is murky, the water is dirty. The breath is a great way to come back into something more productive. It's a great physiological way to settle yourself down, but it's also just observing things. Like I used to have these golf courses where I'd go to, I historically would have this story that I never played well here and it's so difficult and I, I can't miss it there. So I have to get this shot. Then I just started to notice, it sounds so silly, but I just started to notice the trees. I started to notice this water. I started to notice the grass. Like I've been on this beautiful property. It's like the difference of a feeling of being on a golf course in the round is filled with anxiety. But then you go to these events where you're walking on the golf course at night and it's like cocktail yeah. hour and it's beautiful and it's serene. It's the same place, but our interference is making it out to be something really scary. It's just grass <laughs> and trees. You know, I know it's associated with a performance and a score, but I think that's a good reminder for people to maybe leverage something that's more productive, like noticing things, like observing, like breathing, like asking those questions and accepting whatever unfolds because trying to yeah. control it is creating more of what you don't want. That's exactly it. Um, and, and I always like to say, you know, true freedom isn't in controlling your mind, but being completely unattached to what happens in it. And that's what you can do with this method of just allowing yourself to let go of whatever you're thinking. It, it's funny. People like are always like, try to be present, try to focus on the now. Like the opposite is true. When you're not thinking, you're automatically mm. in the present moment. You're automatically like just here, aware, focused. You can see what's in front of you. You start to admire the beauty that is right here. Versus when you're thinking, when you're thinking you're either in the past or you're in the future. That's what creates that duality. But without thinking, the past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist either. And you're here. And that's when you are at your best. When you're in a state of flow, you're only here. You're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about the next game. You're not thinking about the score or anything like that. You're just here. All right, guys, stay seated. Keep those seatbelts fast. And we're going to keep this train moving in a second. But for now, we're going to take a quick stop. I've got a quick question for you. Do you know someone or do you yourself have golf clubs where you're like, yeah, I probably need new ones? but I've had these old golf clubs forever and you're kind of wondering what would happen if you upgraded, but maybe you don't want to spend the money that's required in upgrading. 
I felt this way a million times. I used to work with TaylorMade. That's how I started my career. So I was the guy that was fitting everybody with their new clubs. They were always asking me, Evan, what clubs should I buy? Should I buy the new ones? Should I buy the year-old ones, the two-year-old ones? So I've been doing this for years, and I actually was asked to be an advisor for Sticks Golf when they first started, and now they're one of the fastest growing companies in golf. Okay, Sticks Golf is a direct consumer golf club manufacturer that's cutting out the middleman and giving you a full set of brand new matte black good looking clubs. They do have silver as well if you don't like the black look. That basically gives you an entire set of clubs for under $800. If you don't need a full set, you can buy their wedges, you can just buy their woods, you can just buy their bag, you can just buy certain clubs, you can buy anything you want from them. But the coolest thing is you can even pay monthly. So tap that link, make sure Sticks Golf knows the Par Train sent you, and then either enter the code TRAIN for 10% off, or if they're having a bigger sale on the website, you're welcome. You don't have to enter any code. Just through our link, get 20 or 30% off. So get yourself golf clubs that'll help your game without breaking the bank. I'm telling you, I've hit the clubs. I got my fiance these clubs. She smokes them. They're good quality clubs. You don't need to buy from TaylorMade or Callaway or Titleist for them to be good golf clubs, okay? They know how to do it. They're all using the same manufacturers anyways. So tap that link in our show notes or our bio at the par train and get yourself golf clubs without breaking the bank. All right, let's get back to the show. Your snake analogy. Every golfer knows... I think it's this Instagram account called Hissalot where they have these fake snakes and they put them by a golf cart and they film videos of people jumping and freaking out. But then we laugh after, right? And people might say, well, yeah, of course you thought it was real, but it wasn't. But look at the real response we had. And you say in the book, you can't remove the reaction. The reaction is going to happen because we're Our brains are trained to help us survive, not thrive. But the minute your brain then classifies it as a prank or a rope, you know, as you say in the book, instead of a snake, that totally dissipates. I want to reiterate that because that just shows how you can have reaction and then look at it in a neutral, light way to then come back to yourself and allow it and do your thing. But a lot of us see the fake snake, freak out. Oh my God, what would have happened if I stepped on that snake? Oh my God, that would have been really bad. I would have gone to the hospital, but I have my son's graduation or I have this, you know? And so maybe we'll close with this, Joseph. You said this was a quote by Jonathan Four. I think I said it right. Quote, I think and think and think. I've thought myself out of happiness 1 million times, but never once into it. So let's end with that. I'm going to give you the floor. If there's anything that you think we haven't said that you'd like to say or anything that we've talked about that you want to reiterate, including that quote, the floor is yours. Then we'll tell people where to find you and everything. I think we covered a really good amount in just this conversation. And hopefully it's it's been helpful to, to people that are listening. And so what I will say is you don't have to believe this, whatever we're saying. So I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to try and see for yourself through your own experience, if it's helpful to you or not, because I don't believe in just blind faith. Try it, see for yourself, experiment with it. See if not thinking 
actually helps you perform better or experience more peace or more joy in your life. And it's not just on the course, but it's actually in your life as well. This applies everywhere. There's nowhere that you can't apply this thing. It's complementary and it's not in competition to whatever you're, you're doing in your life. doesn't matter if you have a religion or not. doesn't matter if you have other practices or not, like yoga or whatever. Like literally bring this into those things and see how it affects how you are, who you're being, and just how you feel overall. At the end of the day, all it boils down to is feelings. All we're ever trying to get in life is to feel a specific way. Like, why do you really want to win this game? Like, think about it. Do you want it just for that medal or that trophy? What is it for? Usually it's for a sense of accomplishment, for the feeling of success, for the feeling of pride, for the feeling of joy. But what if you didn't have to wait to have those things or to accomplish those things to feel that? Because if you keep waiting and putting it off instead of feeling it now, then once you get there, you're going to have to make another goalpost and still strive and then be miserable on the way there. And every single game will be miserable until you hit that. And then temporarily for maybe a, a day or so, you'll be happy. And then again, unhappy until you create the next goalpost for yourself. So the way out is to realize that everything you're doing is to feel something. It's to feel love, it's to feel joy, it's to feel happy at the end of the day, the sense of love. And so what happens when you let go of thinking is that you automatically feel all of those emotions now versus postponing it. And paradoxically, when you feel that way, you start to accomplish much more of those things you originally wanted, but you, you don't need those things to feel happy anymore. And they're just a byproduct. It's gravy on top. It's a cherry. There's this uh, common adage that says happiness leads to success more often than success leads to happiness. And it's not always that success leads to happiness. Actually, a lot of times success leads to more unhappiness <laughs> and the void gets bigger and bigger until you realize it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. So the way to do that is through non-thinking. So just follow that, you know, four part technique, just barf. So breathe, ask yourself, is this thinking useful? Remember, remember that thinking is the root cause of all suffering and repeat that to yourself a few times. And then F, feel. Allow yourself to feel whatever emotion it is without your commentary, without your thinking of it. Just allow yourself to feel that feeling of fear. And without thinking or the commentary or the story, it's a lot less scary. It's significantly less scary. And then it's just a slightly uncomfortable feeling and then it passes. But that's the beauty of it. And it allows you to take action when you need to and to hit the ball or to get that swing or whatever you need to do or to do whatever you want with work and to be happier, to be more productive. So that's how you know, it, it all really works out. So start with this. This is the root of everything. And interestingly enough, you'll feel happier. You'll feel more at peace. And that'll lead to every, everything else that you want in life. But this is really how you, I guess, win the game of life is to realize that it's not really a game that you need to win, but that you can feel happy now. And, and that's really what you're going for at the end of the day anyway. I love it. Well, I know that the golfers listening might think, like we talked about before, yeah, but I need that swing thought in order to do my thing, right? But I think it's kind of freeing. It's kind of freeing. It's not often that someone gives you permission to do nothing. We're taught and conditioned to strive. Here's this hack. Do this. Do that. I think it could be a fun experiment for everybody listening. And Damon Hack, the analyst and, and broadcaster for Golf Channel, we just had on the show and literally found us before we had him on the show, started listening, played in a tournament at Pebble Beach, his thought for the week was no swing thoughts after 25 years of changing his swing thought every week. Wow. And he tied for second. He almost won the whole thing. 
So this is good timing. I would challenge, and I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to challenge our listeners on the train. See what happens. Test it. What happens if you don't have to do anything throughout your round? And then DM us at the par train. Let us know what happens. Joseph Wynn, I loved this. I'm so glad that we got connected. You're the author of Don't Believe Everything You Think. Your new book, which I just ordered on Amazon, so I'm going to read that next, is Beyond Thoughts. That just came out last month, so congrats on that. And then you also have a podcast called Questions or Answers, really nice bite-sized episodes, 10 to 30 minutes on great topics. And it's Joseph Wynn, N-G-U-Y-E-N on Instagram, josephwynn.org. Thank you, my man. It was a pleasure and honor to meet you. Let's do this again. I really appreciate the time. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Evan. It's such an honor uh, and and a humbling privilege to be here with you and all the listeners. So it was such a joy to be here. I, I genuinely love just your curiosity, who you are, who you're being, just your openness. And I know that's why you've been able to grow this podcast so much is just because you're emanating that. And everyone wants to feel a little bit more of that. We really follow people not for, I mean, we think we follow for what they say, what they do, how they can help you. But really at the end of the day, it's, it's how they made you feel. And so I know that you've brought the feeling that I feel from being here with you is just a lot of peace, a lot of joy, a lot of openness, a lot of unraveling and questioning in a very fun way, in a very holistic way as well, uh, just beyond the seriousness of how you know life can be. And so I think this is a great way for, for people to see a different reality and to, to live a, a much more happier life. So thank you for that. Love it. Appreciate that, man. All right. We'll talk soon. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks. Take care.